Hi guys, and welcome to It's Me, It's Me, It's F&D, and welcome back to this episode today. So one of the things I see quite a lot of on social media is people's families not understanding, people partners not getting what F&D is. But also, I think there's a bit to be said about partners having what they feel about it, how it's a toll on them, not just you. Because I think people forget about that part. So today, I'm happy to announce that I have a guest on, which is my lovely wife, Sarah. And she's now unmuted, so she can speak, so she wants to. Hello, everyone. So, me and Sarah have been together since I had F&D. Pretty much started when we started going out, pretty much. Started properly appearing, would you say? I'd say, yeah, um, it started more after we'd moved in together. And that's nothing to do with us moving in together or anything on her, it's just... If when it decided to make an appearance. I think it's more that it became visible because I, we moved in together and I was around you all the time. Yeah, very much so. And then the worst of it sort of kicked in and 13, 12, 13 years later, here we are. Yeah, so... One of the things I see a lot, like I said, is people not understanding your side of the argument. So, not argument, uh, side of what you see and how it affects you. Because we all know how it affects us, as in the F&D people, but how it affects the people and your loved ones around you. And we'll go into a little bit about how it's been with us having a family with it. But let's start from right at the very, very beginning when it happened and what you were feeling and then having to deal with it going forward. So um, I can still remember the first day that I saw you have fit. It's still there. I can still physically see you on that settee in that room. Oh, it was in that really uh, rubbish flat, wasn't it? Yeah, when we were at uh, um, the place that shall not be named, um, flat number one of uh, of two flats that we lived in by those people. I can still see you on the set in that room, and I was on the phone to um, uh, well, not the uh, NHS Direct. Yes, because that's what it was back then. It wasn't uh, one. It wasn't one 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 back then. It was NHS Direct and. I was like, he's having these episodes and he's not conscious, he's not talking, he's really out of it. And then we ended up going to uh, to A&E and I was absolutely petrified. Um, I remember um, the stupid doctor, who was uh, one of the, uh, obviously not very well trained, um, stabbed you in the arm five times. Trying yeah, to get I your blood that. failed. Like I could, <laughs> Jake's got very clear veins. You can see them. Even I could have got blood from him. Yeah, even the nurse who came and did it for him was like, I don't know how you missed this. Like, I couldn't. I, I on my arm, you can kind of see, but you can't. So it's a bit more. Like, I can understand that, but you've got very lovely veins, so I still don't understand how he missed them. One of the things to add at this point, well, me and Sarah were very young. Uh, I was 20, you were uh, 18, 19? Uh, I was 19, was it 19? 
Yeah, because we were 18 when we got together. I was 18 when we got together. We were 19 when we moved out, and it was just after we'd moved out. And some some backstory here. I just started a brand new job as a chef, a new environment. We just moved in, and I think it was a lot of factors on top of a family issue on my side that had just completely hit everything. It all came to a kind of boiling pot. I always use the analogy of imagine a big bottle of cola and you're shaking up and down and then you open it and then you go whoosh kind of thing. I think more it's putting a fizzy drink in a paint shaker. Mm, yeah. And because of the issues that had happened six months prior, yeah. I think it just carried on. Everything was unsettled. You finally got to a point where you were settled again, and that's when it all sort of erupted out. Yeah. And one of the things is, and this will be a long episode, so strap in. Um, so one of the things is with this is that for us it was very difficult because we then had to rely on Sarah's family a little bit to help us with paying uh, rent and stuff because we'd only just moved in. I've only just started a new job, and then it all. then we also had... Sarah, because she took time to look after me, got sacked. And we won't go too much into this because legal stuff and whatnot, but it was a situation with everything on top of love. The the one saving grace we had, the doctor's surgery we, we registered at the time, and I think it was Dr. Hill, he was fantastic. He knew what to do, he knew what to say. And like I always say, I'm very lucky that I'm in Sheffield, which has got one of the best. Uh, F&D neurological department that there is but that initial kind of going through it so uh, on top of everything else how did it make you feel a little bit I, I, I was scared I was honestly terrified I remember leaving you in uh, um, in the after I dropped off in A&E and we'd thinking they told me to go home I made it to the bench outside of the A&E and I was in floods of tears. I was scared because I didn't know what what was happening. They didn't know if it was your heart or your head or something else. They didn't know. They they didn't know anything. We didn't know anything. And um, that seemed to be the typical kind of thing when someone gets uh, diagnosed with F and D. No one has a clue what it is, or you get it straight away, but then you're left with just that pamphlet to say this is what it is, and then go about your day. There's no like support. Well, I, I feel like F and D seems to be one of those uh, um, conditions of elimination. Once they've eliminated the things that it could be sort of like epilepsy, brain tumours, heart problems, once they've eliminated those initial aspects, then it's, well, this is the overreaching thing. It's obviously F&D isn't, it's it's not one thing. It's a conglomerate of different symptoms, which covers, it's like an umbrella over the, mm. the certain symptoms. So, so they've got, not everybody got the same uh, kind of thing. I'm friends with someone who doesn't have seizures, but I do. But she has completely different things to what I have. I have completely different things to what she has. So we'll fast forward about two house moves into when we got to that house, when we were starting to settle down and started, uh, we, start, we were starting to plan a wedding. Oh. And the stress of planning that wedding plus F and D, let's kind of have a little bit of a 
on your oh, kind of well, terms? All I can remember is lots of stress, lots of arguments, and lots of alcohol. Mm, yeah, there was a lot of alcohol, actually. I can never, um, well, I can remember some periods of time that you can't remember from mm. one of the worst houses that we lived in. Uh, that uh, um, was terrible for several reasons. My job, your health. Uh, your your health, and I swear that there was somebody watching us in that house. There was a massive window to the bedroom, and yeah, just, it felt creepy. Just, didn't yeah, it? It, there was there was some very bad vibes. You always felt like there was someone in the house with you, even though you're on your own. It was very creepy. The, um, the, 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 one of the key. Uh, things in my thing is that there is big periods of my FND stuff that I don't remember. Like, I don't remember being very little due to some tra- childhood stuff. I don't remember this period that Sarah just mentioned that I have no clue what happened. She brings it up, but she doesn't bring it up because she knows if I do know it, it'll really upset me and make me worse. It's like she's protecting myself from myself on that one. And oh, by all sounds, it sounds like I was a complete and utter... Mp. I'm not going to say the word. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't very nice from what I've been told. But I don't remember any of it. But the one thing I've always had, I've always had the support of Sarah and she understands it. And this is the one thing I see a lot of people having that they don't understand it. She's very good at knowing when I need to stop and not do anything. I need to relax. And I'll admit, I am the world worth patient. I will not do as I'm told. I will go till how many, because I feel guilty that I can't do stuff. Yeah, um, I 100% agree with you. You are a terrible patient. You don't listen when I tell you to stop. You push yourself too hard and then you don't get it so much now. As when, as you did earlier on, yeah. Because you used to, I, th- I, th- I think having a daughter sort of slowed me down. As, as yeah, but you used to where um, you'd get up, you'd push yourself to the limit, you'd do this, do that, and then the next day you'd be completely dead because you'd have worn yourself out. Now, there are some occasions where you are like that, but it's more from a situational thing where it's a situation that that runs you right, that, that completely drags you out. Mm. And then the day after that, you're, you're out of it. And I feel like less that you've... I feel, I feel like you've, you've grown... Right, sort yeah. of understanding more what you can and can't do, and what your um, limits are. What your limits are, yeah. Because it used to be that you'd we'd be competing about who done the most step that, that day. I was like, well, it should be me. I'm the one running around at work. Yeah. You should be. Well, we always used to use the thing to know how much I've done and how much I shouldn't have done, in a sense. And one, of, like I said, one of the things we talk about is how other people and other relationships and family members don't get F and D and we have had problem with this. It's only recently where bits of my family are finally understanding. So family for 
for the love of everything, have been understanding from the get-go. Even her aunts, her uncles, her, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, they get it, they understand it. And they even turn around and told me off for doing too much kind of thing. But the one thing we have when it with my mother-in-law, she'll have like, well, don't let them get to it. That doesn't work with F&D. It's not something you just do. You overthink everything. So it, it's not a conscious, oh, I know that I'm doing too much or, oh, I had an argument with such and such, so I'm going to think about what's happened. Because in everyone, F&D, no F&D. If, you ha- if there's a situation and you don't like what's happened, you think about it, you overthink about it, and it gets at you. And normal, uh, I don't want to say normal people, but people with without F&D, have ways of dealing with it, whereas with F&D, you don't have that capability, that, the outcome of that situation. The coping mechanism. Yeah, the coping mechanism, thank you. And the, uh, um, the ramifications of not having the ability to cope or to, to have the coping mechanisms to break it down and then go, well, yeah, that's I've done that, said that, shouldn't have said that, it's fine. No more for next time, whereas you don't have the ability to to deal with the the negative emotions or the uh, ramifications yeah and you sometimes think about the ramifications like oh i said this to this person i've really upset them when you probably haven't you probably actually this project moved on but because you're so i don't want to say emotionally mute because you're not you're more emotionally to it but you don't understand how to deal with that emotion kind of thing and the thing we got is uh now like i do have it the the one person i i think who struggles with it the most on that is my mum my mum really doesn't get it and it's difficult and it is what it is uh and there is sometimes a slight little bit of her thinking trying not to blame herself and i'm not going to go into that it's personal family stuff it just there might be a time when i'm ready to share it but right now it's Still quite raw because we'd only just really got to that point. Now, one of the things is we started with, well, that's the sound weird. I started with F&D without a family, i.e. I didn't have my own children or anything like that. I didn't have that. We now have a lovely little girl called McKenna. She's free. And that threw a completely new dynamic to the situation, considering I'm a stay-at-home dad because I can't work due to this. Now, how do you think we've... We coped as a couple, but how I coped as well with it with my F&D? I feel like because you've got McKenna to focus on, when when she's there and when when she was a lot when she was younger it wasn't so much of, of an issue no because you used to have to like pop her down and and like wait until the you know if you don't if you're feeling quite bad have her in the playpen or thinking not so much carrying her yeah whereas now well you don't really have to worry about carrying her now I'm, I'm more worried about her picking you up because she is some sort of herculean Monster child. <laughs> she does love to help when I'm apparently having fits. And she, 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 for a three year old, she's very switched on when it comes to the actual disorder and understanding it. Uh, and especially when what to do if I have one. 
Uh, she will uh, um, try and hold your head and she'll, she'll try and pull you up off the floor and, and she, she does that to me even though I don't have it. She, she'll see me on the floor and she'll be like trying to move my head and get me safe. And it's it's so sweet to watch her. I've, I've seen her get upset when you've not responded to her mm. when you've been uh, on the floor. And it is heartbreaking because she does, depending on what sort of mood she's in, she might first reaction might just be to go to tears, yeah. And waking waking up to seeing your daughter in tears is absolutely heartbreaking. It it's one of the hardest things to do when you're coming to from a seizure and then your daughter's in tears, but then you're trying to get yourself set ready not to have another fit because your daughter's in tears and you have to go and be not F and D person, but dad. And then comfort her and then try and then do it. And there's been times where I comfort her and then I've had a fit and then it's it been a vicious cycle. One after the other, one after the other. And then we, we both figure out a way of doing it. it. It normally involves frozen to the sofa and a lot of just lying on the sofa and her going, it's okay, daddy. It's okay, daddy. Daddy, I don't want frozen to now. I want something else on. Even though she's been acting for frozen to for ages. But... The family dynamic changed it a little bit for us in the tent that it gave me a purpose, which I think sometimes with F&D you'd feel like you don't have a purpose because you can't work. It's that ye old thing, especially if you're a bloke. If you're a bloke and you're not working, you're meant to be like the breadwinner in that ye old way of doing yeah, the yeah, the old fashioned the man is the one that earns all the money the the, the lady stays at home and and and, busy, and she's a lady and to be fair the description of lady is probably far away from any description relating to me in any way shape or form mm. and yeah I I feel like that sort of the that I don't want to say toxic masculine but it's reading into that the the idea that the man has to be the one in, in charge and he has to be the one that earns the money and he can't be the one to stay at home to look And it took me a children. long time to realise that I had to be the one to be at home. It took even even today I sometimes get it. It's not as bad as it used to be. But even today I get like that kind of I should be working, I, I should be doing so I should be helping my family. But I know helping my family for me not earning a wage now. It's more keeping keeping the house clean keeping this we we have something called health b and i'm not going to say it because it's a podcast it's family friendly but you can you can put it together and it's a little joke between me and sarah and we have dealt with f and d in the way anyone else can deal with it really kind of thing but what would you say to those people who's family don't get it and they go you're being lazy or whatever what would you say as someone as a partner and how you would try and talk to them about it i think well every obviously every situation is different but i try and explain to them and show them that it's not it's it's not being lazy it's like with their um what's that their um there's a rare couple of conditions that make you extremely tired. Chronic. Chronic fatigue is. and there's something else. Is it ME? ME, yeah. And uh, there's a YouTuber that I um, that I watch and he suffers from uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And uh, um, I think 
he feels like sometimes he's being that so he pushes himself too hard and then makes himself ill. He picks up all sorts of uh, of illnesses, and it was sort of a vicious cycle. And that's how I see the people with mental health problems aren't lazy. You've got say depression. You can't get out of bed. That that's not lazy. You've got F and D where you got no energy because it's completely draining it it's a fight everyone's fighting a different fight and it's not fair for someone else to go oh well you're you you're, you're all right you're just being lazy you don't want to work well further than the truth then you know <laughs> yeah, quite a lot of people do want to work i mean in the current uh, rare environment there's a lot of people that want to work that aren't actually able to work to go out and get a job between uh, uh, COVID restrictions and everything closing down. Fingers crossed in uh, a few months' time we'll be um, out of the lockdown restrictions and getting back to a little bit of a normal. But um, I, think, uh, I think addressing why they think that you're lazy, what what they are expecting, tell them what it feels like and how it impacts you. But also, if they're refusing not to listen, don't push yourself to the yeah. point where it makes you ill. If they're not going to listen to you about it, there is no point you carrying on. Because I, some people are ignorant to that kind of fact. They just don't want to. And... I think I've had it where I've cut relationships out and it's very difficult. One of the big relationships I don't have in my life is due to uh, something really stupid. I don't have my dad in my life. I don't have my stepmom in my life. I don't have my stepbrothers in my life. Be due to something and that was the start of me getting really ill, which we all think it was started. But like my therapist said, I've had this since I was a very young child and I think it's hard to cut people out, especially if you rely on them. But at the same time, you have to think about yourself. And sometimes you have to be selfish. I think sometimes... Easier said than done, which I know. Because it can be even more triggering dealing with the... uh, the, Especially if it's family. uh, I think sometimes keeping people at a safe distance, showing them what they are going to miss out on because especially with with some of the relationships that we've been sort of dealing with the, with the diagnosis and everything from that. Some people have realized what they're going to miss out on if they don't book their ideas up. Mm. And that is why they've started trying to understand and learn and which I don't mind that either because it's showing us that they do want to understand and they do want to be a part and some people it takes time yeah that's that's that is what I was going to come to that it not not everyone can understand something and get on board with it straight away especially if they feel like it's their that they're responsible in some way or that they might not know or understand or be able to comprehend things relating to uh, um, to mental health and conditions relating to the brain because it's it's 
some people, if they can't physically see it, don't believe that it's a thing. So you've yes. got the people who don't believe that autism or dyslexia and things like that, ADHD. Yeah. It's, I think, uh, red... surround yourself with positive people. Yeah. So we've been going for 24 minutes here and this is a episode I wanted to do before and I've l- I'd love to have my wife back on this podcast again for other things. I think it helps having a second person to understand it. Like, especially like if we have something like, what's it like dealing with a fit? So someone knows who's new with it can tell you, this is what it is and how it is. And then, but like I said, everyone's different. Let me, I will start playing the outro music as we always do. And as I always say, the one thing is with this is, just keep yourself safe, calm, and do the best you can. Have you got any final words you want to say to people? I just want to say, um, be happy, be healthy, take care of yourselves. If anyone has any messages, any questions, feel free to where to get in touch, and we'll hopefully touch upon them in a future episode. Yeah, thank you for listening and take care of yourselves and thank you for being on the podcast for me today. Thank you for having me. We managed to get a period where the child had a nap so we could do this, so it's nice. So I'll let this music play out and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.